Hello and welcome back to our conversation with James Leonard KC. Today we'll be discussing what to expect when giving evidence and attending an inquest, the powers of the coroner and potential outcomes from an inquest, as well as top tips on how to best engage in inquest proceedings. So let's get into it. So for a typical adult non-vulnerable witness, if they were to attend in person to provide evidence, should they expect to be examined by counsel at the hearing? Huge variety. Um, industrial accidents, nowadays, nine times out of ten, the families have representation because they can usually recover the costs of that via a civil claim and they would not infrequently uh, in, instruct counsel to um, to examine the witnesses. Um, and that can happen. And it, it happens even though, as we've already said, inquests are not actually adversarial processes. But as and as we've said earlier, we're, they're not really there to, to apportion blame or liability. But the fact is that lawyers instructed for families frequently have exactly that in mind. Uh, and the reality is that most coroners give most families most of the time quite a lot of latitude in how they approach a particular case. Most of the questions will be asked by the coroner. And the counsel who are instructed by individual interested parties, again, then given the opportunity to ask the questions. Um, and in the case by case basis depends on whether or not they'll be asked. Um, but if they do get the opportunity and they do want to ask questions, there it's not supposed to be cross-examination in the way that we normally understand it in litigation. And so you shouldn't really have witnesses being tripped up deliberately in cross-examination as happens more often in litigation and most coroners will step in to prevent it but equally there, there's nothing to prevent fairly robust questioning of a witness by relevant parties. And I suppose those expectations around questioning and behaviour from counsel at inquest hearings is quite reassuring in that the inquest process can be quite intimidating and I suppose knowing that the coroner can step in and say yeah. that line of questioning is too aggressive and too harsh. They do, and and therefore it, it shouldn't descend to that level. I think it's probably just worth mentioning here, actually, something that we haven't touched on before, and that is that whether that one of your employees is actually vulnerable to criticism in mm. relation to something they did or didn't do in the context of an accident. And again, it's worth identifying that as a as a feature very early on. Is there one of our employees, one of our staff? who's going to be in trouble for what they did or didn't do, because they themselves may be entitled because of that to be considered for, for being separately represented altogether. They may even get their own interested party status, and that may be in their interest to do so, because there may be a conflict between the business and the individual. Uh, and, the, and the reason for that is that come the inquest, an individual who faces criticism is entitled to be warned that he does not have to or she answer any question which has a tendency to incriminate them and they literally don't have to answer those questions um, and that's worth being uh, alive to well in advance because again people find it very difficult to make no comment as it's sometimes called or give no answer uh, but again that's a very structured process and usually they're represented and by someone like me who can guide them through it um I but suppose again the um the business itself could have questions for that employee that they couldn't ask if they weren't separately represented exactly because the business may want the answers 
but it may not be in the individual's interest to give them. Mm. Uh, and that's why there may be a conflict between the same lawyer representing the business and the individual um, who, who under consideration. And so that's very much well, very much worth trying to identify early on. Um, and coroners will often ask at a PIR, pre-inquest review, are you representing the company and this this person here who's made a witness statement who may well be criticised as part of the process? And you need to be aware of how you're going to answer that question in advance. What would your tips be for witnesses giving evidence at an inquest? What's the best way to approach giving evidence? Um, just remember, you're, it's not a memory test. Listen to the question, answer that question and not another one you think you want to answer. Um, and if you can't remember the answer to a question or don't know the answer to a question, just say so. Don't fall into the trap of, of filling in the blanks um, because people can be um, undone in, in quite a significant way um, in, in, in that, in that if, you, if you fall into that trap. Um, and it, it's a bit like a, I often tell people to imagine it's a little bit like a, a, a fairly sort of formal job interview process. You're asked questions, you give an answer. You don't want to ramble on. You don't want to say yes or no. You want to give as much information as is needed. And if somebody wants more information, they'll ask for it. Um, mm. It's that sort of a, a atmosphere. But above all, try and be honest and straightforward. And don't try and uh, double guess where the questions are coming from etc or, or reflect on how they impact on anybody else you're there to tell the truth uh, and that's what you must do yeah I think that's really true those points about being honest and straightforward and not worrying what others in the room think about your answers yeah. as long as they're honest yeah um but what about if you didn't want to be involved with the inquest process at all could you just refuse the coroner's request for information when it comes through you you can be summonsed um and that summons is enforceable with effectively by, by reference to contempt of court if you don't turn up. Coroner has a power to order disclosure by a, uh, a company which can be enforced in the high court. Again, contempt of court ultimately being the sanction. Uh, and it's really it's a pretty bad idea not to cooperate, um, but cooperate if you need to in a measured way. I, ironically, in fact, as far as individuals are concerned, coroners don't have the power to compel the attendance of anybody who's outside the United Kingdom. Um, they're not allowed to enforce a, a summons if somebody lives in France, for example, or anywhere mm. outside the jurisdiction. Um, but with that caveat, they can force people to come along uh, and you, you, they'll get you in the end, I think is probably the right way of, of putting it. And so at least the veneer, the convincing veneer of cooperation is one to try and maintain if you possibly can. Okay, so say you've gone through the inquest process and you're getting to the end of the hearing and the coroner is drawing their conclusions. What conclusions are available to a coroner at inquest? So the, the, the starting point is just to bear in mind is that when a coroner has to be satisfied of a fact or the, or the appropriateness of a conclusion, the coroner has to only be satisfied to what we call in the trade the civil standard, the balance of probability, sometimes referred to as more likely than not, um, and the coroner will direct him or herself or a jury if a jury has been summoned for the for the uh, inquest. The, the usual what we call short form conclusions are natural causes, accident, misadventure, suicide, an open conclusion, very rare these days, uh, um, can be uh, uh, added to with a rider of uh, neglect, um, 
uh, road traffic accident is another short form one now available. But the alternative to those short form conclusions, which are often thought to be very unsatisfactory after a detailed inquest, because simply summing up what's happened over the course of maybe two, three week inquests with a single word is rarely regarded as um, proportionally significant enough. Uh, the, the much more fashionable thing these days is to, is what's called a narrative conclusion, perhaps a different combination of short form and narrative, but narrative nonetheless, which amounts to a few short sentences describing what has happened in, in literally a few short sentences. And these are becoming increasingly popular. Um, the, the, the important thing to bear in mind, though, and again, going full circle on what an inquest is all about, is that no conclusion, however drafted, um, can be drafted in a way that seems to determine either civil or criminal liability. Um, but they can be framed in a way that implies that things were missed or opportunities to prevent death were not taken. It depends very much on what the inquest is about, what the issue is. Um, and we would normally try and encourage uh, a short form verdict, but we normally get quite a lot of resistance from coroner who otherwise think they might have wasted their time if they haven't done mm. something more exciting than a short form verdict or conclusion. And then in addition to that conclusion, you can sometimes get a prevention of future deaths report, can't you? You can. And it's really important, particularly for the big corporations, the big the PLCs who may face a bit of reputational press interest to to make sure that in advance they have covered off relevant improvements to their systems, to their training, to monitoring, supervision, whatever it may be, in advance of that that inquest taking place as best they can, because otherwise it sounds like, and sometimes these inquests take long, uh, take place months, if not years later, after the accident. If a if an organisation is still being told effectively at that date by the coroner that their systems are still inadequate, then that can make for a very poor optic indeed. Uh, and the, the what happens is that if they if there is still a residual concern that future lives may be at risk as a result of what the evidence her, uh, given at the inquest has revealed, then the coroner has a duty to make a report either to a person, organisation, it can be a local authority, a government agency, um, to take action or at least to consider taking action so as to prevent future deaths based on that evidence, as I said, that has been heard. And, and, that, and the recipient of such a letter has to deal with it within 56 days of the report being uh, sent to them. And so I always say, particularly with those big companies, we want to try and avoid having a letter written to us because we want to be able to say at the end of the inquest, whether we're at fault or not, that things have been done to try and change, improve and ensure that a fatal accident um, is not risked again. Mm. Um, and, and and again, as I say, it's best to try and avoid that letter ever being written in the first place, written in the first place. If the inquest provides something that hasn't yet been dealt with, then so be it. But that is an important part of the process, mm. uh, an important part of the coroner's inquiry. And even if you're not intending to take action, you still need to respond to that preventive Absolutely. death report. Absolutely. They can't tell you what to do. What they can do is saying you write your letter saying you need to reconsider, say, for example, the way in which you supervise the workforce at night when the factory is working on a 24 hour, seven day a week system. You need to think about doing X, Y and Z. And so the response can be, 
we have thought about it and for the following 12 reasons we're not going to change it mm. because that may introduce more risk into the equation whatever it may be so quite right you can't ignore it and you don't have to do something and there's no further sanction that can be visited upon you as long as you've responded but trying to avoid them being written to you in the first place is that is the key to it if at all possible yeah i think that's really important to know to be aware of those prevention of future death reports and how to yeah. respond to them if they do arise yeah um perhaps just reflecting on we discussed the coroner's powers to summon evidence and witnesses and that potential for prevention of future death reports. How would you recommend clients approach their involvement if a coroner gets in touch? I think uh, it, again, it depends on the size of the organisation. Small organisation, you're probably going to have an MD and maybe a financial director, HR if they've got one, health and safety officer uh, in-house. You need to get a nice tight circle, small in number, of senior management people in place to coordinate responses, give instructions to the legal team and keep the directors, if, if they're beneath board level, up to speed. And you want to try and immediately bring a very self-critical lens to bear on the circumstances so that you can try and anticipate what you're going to be asked about right at the outset so that you can help, that will help inform the response that you're given and, 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 and experienced lawyers will be able to help you do this. Um, cooperate where you can, but remember what you say out loud in a witness statement is not easy to withdraw uh, and a great deal of care needs to be taken when responding to coroners, uh, both in terms of documents to be provided to make sure they're comprehensive enough and answer the questions that the coroner has asked and indeed the drafting of witness statement and indeed, as we've already said, making sure that you've thought about whether anybody within the organisation individually is vulnerable to criticism, because that needs to be managed right at the outset. Yeah, those are some really good points. And I think ultimately the tricky thing is that the strategy of each inquest varies on a case-by-case -case basis, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Infinite variety. And they're very difficult, very difficult to control. Mm -hmm. But as long as you get the right uh, legal team on board early on, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a lawyer, but it is true. I've seen it go very badly wrong. Uh, as long as you get the right team on board right at the outset, who have got the requisite experience for it, it should be OK. But don't imagine it's easy enough to handle on your own. No, no, not at all. I feel like we could carry on with this podcast even longer. <laughs> but we've been talking for 45 minutes and I've got wow. to put our podcast down. Thank you so much for showing your insights on that. It's been a really good discussion. Um, and for those of you listening, please join us next week when I'll be discussing inquests from a coroner's perspective with Sabin Expandi, Assistant Coroner for Inner North London. I know her well. She'll be great. <laughs> Endorsed.